Have you been dreaming about paying off credit card debt, installing solar panels, going to college, or even buying a plane? Yes, someone really did that. With a figure HELOC, your home can help you cover vacations, medical bills, retirement, wedding expenses, home improvement, emergencies, or a pool. The opportunities are endless. Unlock up to $400,000 and choose the fastest HELOC on the planet at figure.com. Faster than a bank loan, cheaper than a personal loan. Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So I'm a father of what? I gotta find a babysitter. I found care.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Care.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your childcare necessities, check out care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your childcare needs. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Welcome back to another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt Bove here, along with Sal Capaccio, Bills beat reporter and sideline reporter for WGR 550. I'm over at Channel 7 here in Buffalo. Sal, my voice sounds normal again. Mm. This is probably the first non-nasally podcast that we have done in, I don't know, a couple (laughs) weeks now. I've been de- I've been battling, Sal. Iron sharpens iron over here. Yeah. Well, listen, you sound a lot better. I said that to you when we jumped on this together. Hey, man, you're sounding a lot better. It's great to hear you sounding better. It's great that you feel better. You know, it is. It's it's your it's your tools, right? I mean, if you're um if you're a handy person, a handyman, um, you know, you 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 swing a hammer and you screwdrivers and things like that. Like that's not me. I'm not the handyman. Um, what we do, our business, we talk. And you have to be on camera a lot. I'm not as much. We do. I do something like this, but those are our tools for work, for our livelihood. And you know, when you can't talk, you know, if I wake up in the morning and have a raspy voice, like I, it's tough to do a three-hour radio show, four-hour radio show. You know, and um, some people might say you sound better anyway if you're not on the radio because you're because <laughs> you're like that and you got to take off. But no, it's true, right? So I think that you know, even if you're feeling okay and your voice isn't great in this business, we're always like, I don't really know what I can do here because you don't want to. You don't want to kind of um, let anybody down with how you sound. And they turn on and go, wait a minute. Like, what are you sounding like here? Well, they've probably been let down with how I sound for my entire <laughs> career. So this is nothing different. I just sounded a little bit different. It's like the scene in Anchorman. It's like no touching or the hair or the face. That's always right. the joke in like TV news. It's like, oh, got to protect. It's even funny. I played hockey growing up. And then once I got it to like Channel 7, I started playing pickup with a bunch of media guys, a bunch of them that you know, too. And I always wore a full cage, even though I'm an adult at this point and like there's nobody saying that I have to wear a cage. I was just so worried about something happening and like getting hit with a puck or like getting a stick in the face and then it was going to have to miss work. So I was always like really, really cognizant of that. So, yeah, it feels good to finally once again sound like myself. Do you like your voice? I hate my voice, even my like fully normal voice. If I hear it back, I cringe a little bit at it. I don't know why. Well, that's the thing I think with most people, if you record yourself and then you listen to yourself play back, I've heard from so many people, I can't listen to my own voice. I sound horrible. Um, I don't mind. I I think I was probably maybe the same growing up a little bit like, oh boy, it sounds a little bit different. What you sound like when you play back is what you sound like to other people. Mm -hmm. Your, your voice when you talk doesn't sound like that to me or vice versa. It's how we sound when we hear ourselves play back. No, I don't think I, I mean, I, I think I have a good voice for radio. It's not a great voice. I'll talk to people and they'll say, boy, yeah. I say, they'll ask me what I do. And I tell them, they're like, oh, you have a really good voice for it. And I'm like, I don't know if I really do. I've heard people have great voices for radio. I don't think I'm like that. So I think it's, it's good enough. It's passable. Um, I don't hate my voice, but at the same time, you definitely say sometimes, yeah, it's a little bit different than what you thought. And I would record myself growing up just like everybody else would and say to myself, oh my God, that kind of sounds a little bit weird. So now that we're here, we have uh, our voices back. You are feeling better. That's great. Uh, I know um, we were out at OTAs, but not the dominant storyline. What's going on on the field this week, Matt. We should be using our voices now to talk about DeAndre Hopkins and what we ultimately think is going to happen. And if the bills are going to sign him. Now I want to lead off with this. Chances are it doesn't happen because there are 31 other teams and just simple math tells us that there's a better chance he signs somewhere else than he signs in Buffalo. But 
that, at least in my mind, does not take the Bills out of it. And I also think that they are probably pretty interested in adding a player like that. So this has been something that has lingered now for a couple days. It started before the long weekend. That was a big deal. Nothing has happened. So now that we're several days removed from this, Sal, do you think it's possible? Do you think it's likely? Or do you think it doesn't happen at all? So... By the time people hear this, DeAndre Hopkins could have signed somewhere, right? We are talking right now and recording this on Wednesday morning. It is exactly 8.44 a.m. I'm looking right now, okay? Just so everybody knows. And if something happens, we don't know. But as of this moment, I still believe the Bills are interested. I don't think the Bills are going to go above and beyond to try and make it happen, meaning break the bank. Um, so to speak, give them a really, really big contract. They don't have a lot of salary cap space. They'd have to get creative. I do think there's something to the, well, the Chiefs are interested and the Bills are interested. You don't want them going to the Chiefs. However, I don't think that's the one thing the Bills are, like, I don't think the Bills are going to say, oh my God, he's going to the Chiefs. We got to do whatever it takes to get him. I don't think that's going to happen. The Bills can't and they shouldn't and they won't operate in a manner that is something against what they want just because another team wants it, if that makes sense. They're not going to sign DeAndre Hopkins just because the Chiefs might do it. If they want DeAndre Hopkins and the Chiefs want DeAndre Hopkins, then I do think it matters to them that the Chiefs want DeAndre Hopkins and they'll maybe push a little bit harder. I don't think it's likely as I sit here right now. I think it was more likely back in March, April, if they could have worked something out. And according to the sourcing from Albert Breer and Jeremy Fowler and others, there was, I mean, Albert Breer wrote something in SI.com that said the Bills, you know, they were going down that road, and so were the Chiefs. So I have no reason to believe they wouldn't do that anymore now that he's a free agent and they can kind of work out their own contract and not give up assets. It just wouldn't make sense that they wouldn't be interested. I just think that a lot of the equation has changed with drafting Dalton Kincaid, not having as much salary cap space, thinking about, you know, how much he wants, and then I think that's the ultimate probably thing that doesn't get it done is he probably wants something close to what Odell Beckham got, if not more. And I don't think the bills are interested in doing that. I hear everything you're saying. I think that I agree. I agree with you from the Bills' standpoint, but I also think that you are right in the middle of a window and now is the time to be overly aggressive. And I don't want to say move mountains for one player, but if you got to change up some things, if you got to move some money around, I think they should be looking into it. And I, and I really do from the people that I've talked to and from the things that I've heard and I've read and everything that's out there, I think they are looking into it, but I don't think they are going to break the bank. I don't think they should break the bank, but I think they should be doing everything in their power to add this player. Because right now, I think if you take the wide receiver group and you see how does it stack up compared to the rest of the league, I think it's probably average. You have a really, really elite player in Stefan Diggs. And you have a really good young player in Gabe Davis. After that, we don't know about Trent Sherfield. We don't know about Deontay Hardy. Yeah, you like what they could be, but who knows if they ultimately get to that level. And if you have an injury to one of your big two guys, I mean, it's almost like OTAs. We're out at OTAs. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but there's no digs there. Gabe Davis misses a day. And now you have Trent Sherfield as your kind of top option there. I don't think you would feel comfortable if that was the case going into the season or even if you just had one of Diggs or Davis. I think DeAndre Hopkins makes your offense that much more dynamic. And then I think other teams would have to try and figure out how do you stop the Bills? Because you've got two really solid tight ends that you like. You've got some great wide receivers and you've got, most importantly, Josh Allen. I think DeAndre Hopkins wants to be here, but I also think he wants to be a lot of places. I think that there's probably six, seven, eight teams that he would ultimately end up signing with if he truly is going to try and win a Super Bowl or contend for a championship. If he wants to get a payday, which all power to you, if you do, and there's a team out there that's going to give you 12 or $13 million, and these contending teams can only give you five or six, I don't know about, it would be great to win, but like if I was in that position, I'm taking the money. Like that's a, <laughs> that's a massive difference. If it's close, If it's a team that's not a contender is offering $8 million and the Bills and the Chiefs and other teams are offering $6 million, I think that's probably a conversation. But the wider that margin gets, the more likely it is that he goes and takes the money. I I think they should do it, but I don't think they will, is kind of my overall thoughts on DeAndre Hopkins.
Yeah, so I think we're pretty much on the same page. Like, I'm, I think they should go out and try and do it. I just, I don't see it happening right now as I sit here because I think he will want to be paid. I don't, I'm not thinking that DeAndre Hopkins is going to say, oh my God, pay me top dollar. But look, I mean, the Odell Beckham Jr. contract matters probably here. Mm-hmm. And he yeah, got what? Yeah. 15 million. He got 12 guaranteed plus three, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that DeAndre Hopkins is probably looking at somewhere in that neighborhood. Why wouldn't he? He's like, hey, man, I've been to, I'm a three time All Pro and I've, you know, put in a lot of work in this league and I'm an elite wide receiver. Now there are some people who will tell you he's not as good as he used to be. He can't run as well. Um, you know, the route trees may be a little bit more limited than what it used to be. I think those are conversations you have to have internally, but as far as the player himself and what he's looking for, and by the way, it's worth noting, he hired an agent. He was his own representative on Monday. It was reported. He is now hired an agent. So what does that tell you, Matt? That tells you that they're going to go around the league and go, look, you're getting Deandre Hopkins. Like I'm not coming here for $2 million. So mm-hmm. I, I think that because of that, I don't see the bills able to do it. I don't think the bills should go much higher than, I don't know. What are we talking? What's the kind of six, seven, you just mentioned something like that. And even then you have to get creative because they don't have that kind of cap space, but I agree with you. I think they should look into it. I think they will look into it. Ultimately we're sitting here next week. When we hear about Deandre Hopkins signing with a team, is it the Buffalo bills? I would say it's less likely than more likely. I think one of the things that I ultimately go back to, and this is how I feel about a lot of players and it's how I feel about coaches and just different stuff around the league. If he signs with the chiefs, right? Bill's fans are going to be livid. They're going to be like, Oh my goodness. Like, how are we going to keep up with that team now? And if you have a guy like that, chances are you want to add him to your team. You shouldn't be doing it just to keep him away from other teams, but to also strike fear in your opponents and be like, wow, look at how good this team is. And I still think, I've said this on the podcast several times, I think the Bills are better. They have a better roster going into this season than they did at the end of last season. Even though they lose Tremaine Edmonds, all of these different factors, I like the depth additions that they have made along the way. But... You look in the division and you look at what the Jets did with Aaron Rodgers and you look at what the Dolphins did with Vic Fangio and Jalen Ramsey. Those teams made splashes. The Bills have not done any splashes this offseason. That's okay. Usually teams that win the offseason don't end up winning actually games on the football field. I think this would be a way of kind of putting a bow on what I think to be a really strong offseason and make it a great offseason. Make it an offseason where you're like, okay, the expectation is to go win a Super Bowl. And I think it still is that, but I think it's a more realistic expectation if you add that one more playmaker, that one more piece. Because the last time we saw them on the field, they scored 10 points. And I know that their backs were against the wall, the weather stunk, the offensive line wasn't good, but I am not completely sold on the offense. I like, I think Josh Allen is one of the best players in the NFL, but I'm not completely sold on the offense and on Ken Dorsey yet. I think DeAndre Hopkins would help both of those things. In an alternate reality that we would all love if the Bills had already won a Lombardi, right? Let's just say that for a second. Mm-hmm. Let's say they won one over the last three years. They're not even in this conversation to do this now, right? Nope. Nope. Isn't that amazing? Like how it cha- it does change the equation of what you said. You're in this window and you haven't won it yet, I think, is the big thing. Like this is your chance. So I think that does apply a little more pressure to the front office to get something like this done as opposed to letting them go to a team like the Chiefs, where, as you said, Bills fans are going to be like, wait a minute. You haven't won this thing yet. This is a guy that can help you get over the top. Give us one. You know, the T-shirt, just one before I die, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is your chance to do that. So I think that does kind of heighten the pressure a little bit for them to say, mm, you know, do we need to go out and do this? We should go out and do this. The other one is, though, the guy you didn't mention. You know, when we were back at the owners' meetings and we were back in April talking about this, there was no draft yet. Then there was a draft. And they drafted Dalton Kincaid. They got mm-hmm. another weapon. They're going to use this guy on the field. You mentioned Deontay Hardy, Trent Sherfield. All those guys matter. What about the fact that they've drafted Dalton Kincaid now? I'm thinking about if they did bring DeAndre Hopkins in, how does he fit? Yes, he's he's been an elite wide receiver. And you, you want as many weapons as possible. But don't you have to think about how you've constructed your team now versus what you were a month and a half ago when you were going down these trade talks? Sure, but Dalton Kincaid is an addition that doesn't just help you short-term, but it's a long-term addition. I think of DeAndre Hopkins as a one- or two-year contract that is strictly here to come help you win a Super Bowl, and I honestly have some reservations about how the Bills are going to use him because it's how I feel about them using really any rookies. The rookies that they've had, they are really, really kind of 
overprotective with getting them on the field. And maybe Dalton Kincaid, maybe that's just because nobody has completely knocked their socks off and they've forced their hand in getting them on the field. I think of last year, but you think of Kyrie Elam, you think of James Cook, you think of like all of the guys from last year's class. And really for most of the classes before that, there's some exceptions in there. Tremaine Edmonds is an exception. Uh, Gabe Davis is an exception. Ed Oliver is an exception. But I don't know if Dalton Kincaid will be because they have another tight end. Even though they're going to do different things most of the time, that's why I think like another addition that immediately helps you. Because even though Dalton Kincaid has the potential to immediately help you, I don't know if he's going to. Yeah, I understand that. I here. Let me phrase it this way too. Let me ask it in a different way. Let's just say we find out today, tomorrow, whatever, DeAndre Hopkins is signed by the Bills. You add him, now you have Stephon Days, Gabe Davis, DeAndre Hopkins, Khalil Shakir, Deontay Hardy, Trent Sherfield, Justin Shorter's drafted. Who's the most negatively impacted from a football sense? Gabe Davis. No way, I think. See, I think that's that's a great discussion. I don't agree at all. I think Gabe Davis is still a very big part of what they do. They might... I, I don't disagree with you, but I think Gabe Davis you probably lose targets. You probably lose catches and touchdowns and lose. Doesn't Stefan Diggs too though? Yeah, but Stefan Diggs already has his contract. Gabe Davis doesn't have his contract yet. Okay. I'm talking about from a snap. Let's talk about that for a second. I'm talking about from a snap percentage this year. Okay. From a, like who is most snake from the roster? Like, is there a guy that just doesn't make the roster now, for example? You know what I mean? If you take a look, I'm not talking mm-hmm. about Gabe Davis's future in Buffalo. That's another okay. discussion. So yeah. I apologize that you, you you're, you're bringing up the, uh, the right point here on Gabe Davis. You're good. What I'm asking you is, Take the roster right now. You add DeAndre Hopkins. Who's left out that you well, would have normally know. had in? Probably. I mean, it's probably the easiest answer, but probably Justin Shorter. I mean, I don't know how he makes the team if you have all of these other things. I th- saw your colleague at WGR and your co-host, Joe DiBiase, talking about Khalil Shakir potentially not making the team. I don't see an option, an area for that to happen. So I think he would be safe. I think Hardy and Sherfield would both be safe. Obviously, Diggs and Davis are safe. And then you'd have DeAndre Hopkins. I think those would be your six wide receivers. I think it would hurt the target share for Diggs. I think it would hurt the target share for Trent Sherfield. Deontay Hardy kind of does different stuff. So I don't know how much he would really be impacted. It would, I don't know. They would all get probably 20 less targets collectively because I mean if you're bringing in DeAndre Hopkins that's a guy who needs what a baseline of 75 targets probably on the season that's the baseline so are you just going to release your fifth round draft pick then because you added I you know these are things I think about like don't doesn't Brandon Bean think about this like hey I understand like people can say Sal you're crazy it doesn't matter if you get DeAndre Hopkins that's fine but you have to think from a roster construction standpoint like am I going to just wave my fifth round pick and he goes on waivers and someone else can pick him up If Justin Shorter or any fifth round pick is potentially blocking the bills from adding DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm not suggesting that you're saying that, I I just, I know that you're posing a question. If that is even in the conversation, then that general manager does not deserve to have a job. Great way to put it. I think that if DeAndre Hopkins is added, I think either Sherfield or Hardy aren't making this team. Okay. I see what you're saying. Um, Justin Shorter is more of a special teams guy who probably has a path to make the team because they don't want to lose a fifth round pick that they invested in and they're going to keep him on a rookie contract. I I think that from a football standpoint, it comes down to one of those guys and maybe even Khalil Shakir, although I think that they're higher on Shakir than a, certainly my colleague Joe probably thinks they are, but I, I think so too. I think it comes down to one of those three guys. I don't know if there's a spot for them. Well... <sighs> This is an interesting conversation. There's so many layers to this because if Justin Shorter is going to make the team like to play special teams, then maybe they keep an extra wide receiver because they don't have that body with running backs like they had with Taiwan Jones for years past. We talked about the rule changes from this upcoming season with the kickoffs and stuff like that. Maybe Tyler Medikevich doesn't make the team and you keep an extra wide receiver and Justin Shorter is your strictly special teams guy. But I don't know. I think that you like Trent Sherfield. Trent Sherfield is here for speed and he's here for like the big playability that he provides. Deontay Hardy is here to basically not replace Isaiah McKenzie, but you would like to see somebody kind of take on that role. And that's what Deontay Hardy is here for. I think if you added 
DeAndre Hopkins, you could really start to get creative with Diggs and with Davis. You could start lining up Diggs in the slot. Like you could go wide with Diggs, Davis, Hopkins, and like Kincaid. Like that would be a really, really tough matchup for any team. I, I don't think that any of the f- moves that they have made prior should have a massive impact. I, I see what you're saying. It will, but I don't think it should. I think at the end of the day, you're probably right that Justin Shorter would be the the odd man out because, hey, we'll, we'll deal with it. Fifth round pick. Hopefully nobody picks him up. We'll get him back in the practice squad. You could probably go down that route. And you're right. The point that you made is correct, which is if that's blocking your path, DeAndre Hopkins, then come on, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, but I do I do look at it from a football standpoint and say, like, hey, I, I signed these guys to help me here and help me there. Like, what? The, how many guys can I have on the roster and where will they all fit? That brings us to Gabe Davis. Let's talk about that. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast celebrate and save at ashley's anniversary sale with hot buys your choice of color starting at just 3.99 ashley sleep mattresses starting at 250 plus receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like stearns and foster temper pedic purple and beauty rest black with 60 month special financing only at ashley subject to credit approval no minimum purchase required minimum monthly payment down payment tax and delivery may be required see store for details all right, it's always game day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. From a longer-term standpoint, beyond mm-hmm. this year, Gabe Davis is going to the final year of his rookie contract. If they were to sign DeAndre Hopkins, even to a one-year deal with void years to make it work, right, one-year deal, does that matter? Maybe maybe that matters to you, one-year deal, two-year deal. Does it matter to Gabe Davis's future, and how much does it matter to you, Matt, if they sign DeAndre Hopkins? Oh, it matters for sure because he's looking to get paid, whether it's by the bills or whether it's by another team, we've said that he would have probably been the top paid receiver on the market. If he was a free agent this summer, as opposed to next summer, I think there's a future with Gabe Davis on this team. I really do. And I know that bills fans, he's a very polarizing player. I don't exactly know why he did not have, maybe the bar was set a little bit too high. Maybe the expectations were a little bit too high going into this past season. But he was still really productive. I know there were some drops that were mixed in, and there was a little bit of a problem there, but he still made big plays for them. He still caught a bunch of touchdowns for them. He still was their, I don't want to say best down the field threat, but he was a 1B to Stefan Diggs as 1A. And he's young. He's got upside still. Like, those are the guys that get paid. If you lose Gabe Davis, it's not just an easy person to replace. I know he was a fourth-round pick, so people could just say, like, well, just go draft somebody, and then you've got them on a cost-controlled contract for several years. Yeah, in theory, but you don't know if they're going to be that type of player. Gabe Davis has far outproduced a typical fourth-round wide receiver. He is producing, like, a top talent. So I think that this would impact him from a financial standpoint, but it doesn't change my stance on I think that he should be back next year and for several years to come. And I'll go even further and say, I think whatever the bill's plan is with Gabe Davis does not change whatsoever. If they sign Deandre Hopkins, if their I plan agree. is, to I agree him, with that. If, I agree with that. If their plan is to let him play out the final year of his deal and become a free agent, 
and that's what's going to happen. If their plan is to sign him to an extension before the season, then that's going to happen with or without DeAndre Hopkins on this roster. I think at DeAndre Hopkins' age and the uncertainty of what actually happens in getting him and the fact that you're not going to sign him to a really big, big deal anyway, I don't think that can impact how you feel about your young wide receiver going into his fourth year and what you think the investment you've made for three plus years now mm-hmm. and what you think his future is. And I've always long held that they want to sign Gabe Davis to an extension. And I believe they're going to do that before the start of this season. Now, I don't know, maybe thinking a little bit less about that now. Okay. We'll see if that happens, but just the way the bills talk about Gabe Davis, what he means to them, that bills DNA, how he works. I I think that they've wanted to do this. And I could tell you for an absolute fact, because I've talked to Gabe Davis about this, he would love to stay in Buffalo. So I think when you have a, when you have those two things matching up, it always made sense to me that they want to, and they will get to an extension for Gabe Davis. And I don't think it matters if Deandre Hopkins is on the roster, they'll work it out and they'll figure out how to make the money work in that case. I think it could almost, it kind of sucks for Gabe, but I could almost think that it benefits the bills because it, kind of I don't want to say lowers the number a little bit but if the productivity isn't quite to the level that you're hoping it would be because you made the addition of DeAndre Hopkins maybe that number is a little bit of an easier pill to swallow for the bills maybe it's a 12 or 13 million dollar a year contract as opposed to a 16 or a 17 million dollar a year contract the thing about Gabe Davis too is he does so many things that they don't have other wide receivers doing. He is a great blocker, not a good blocker, a great blocker from a wide Mm -hmm. receiver. He is on the field a ton for that reason. Gabe Davis, you can kind of disguise your offense. He can be out there and you can run the ball. And obviously you can pass the ball. I think back to a lot of the different plays that he made going into the season. And I was just watching a bunch of their old games about a week ago. And I watched the first game of the season because it makes sense to start with one and go all the way through. Gabe Davis scored the first touchdown of the season. Do you remember the play? First touchdown of the season against the Rams last year? Yes. Do you remember? I do remember. I do remember. He was lined up as a blocker and they treated him as a blocker. And then he leaked out on the right side. Yeah. That happens because Gabe Davis is a legitimate blocker. And because you could be convinced if you're the Rams, that Josh Allen is going to roll out to the side and try and run for the first Mm -hmm. down. But he sold the play. He gets yep. up field, tosses it, easy touchdown, walk in. Like those are the types of things that Gabe Davis does. He has a skill set that not a lot of other people have. And to echo what Sal has said, I've had the conversation with him. I did a big feature story with him and we went down to Orlando. I talked to his mom. His mom said Buffalo is the perfect place for him. Gabe yep. loves to just kind of chill, kind of. He likes to fish. He likes to hunt. He likes to golf. A lot of things that you can do in Buffalo and you can focus on football. And that's kind of the mindset that he has. And he's just a competitor. So I know that I'm probably a lot higher on Gabe than some people, but I think that his future is here in Buffalo. And I think the bills want to have him and whatever happens with Deandre Hopkins doesn't change that from his stance, but I do think it might make the number a little bit easier for the bills to kind of fit into their salary cap moving forward. So it's a good segue, what you mentioned about how they used Gabe Davis in that game one against the Rams and the play, because Ken Dorsey had to dial that up. And Ken Dorsey met with the media uh, prior to OTAs on Wednesday. I'm sorry, on mm-hmm. Tuesday. No, yep. you never, you're not going to get a ton from the offensive coordinator. He kind of plays it a little bit close to the best. But anything stand out to you? He's asked a lot about Dalton Kincaid and the offense and what it looked like last year versus this year. I think he probably is self-aware enough to realize that the offense wasn't, excuse me, as good as the season went along, he didn't say that he was asked that. And he didn't say that he said the typical, if you win a game by one, or if you win a game by a hundred, that's all you're trying to do is win a game. But I think he's probably self-aware to realize that there were two big things for the bills last year. One, the turnovers in the red zone and two, just the lack of creativity with the play calling and what they were ultimately trying to do last year. It felt like the bills identity was okay, Josh, go do crazy stuff. And that'll usually work because 99% of the time you're the best player on the field. Well, There were times when it didn't work. There was also the injury that they were dealing with. So I think he realizes going into the season, they need to be a little bit more creative. And they also just need to have a couple plays that are your get out of jail free cards that you know will work. Dable was always so good at just like in a situation where nothing seemed to be working. This is how we're going to get back on trap, back on track. This is how we're going to kind of swing the momentum back in our favor. So I I think he's self-aware and realizing that last year, was a step, but they still have big steps that need to be made for this offense to reach their potential. 
Yeah, you know, Ken Dorsey mentioned about, you know, learning from Brian Dable. And, of course, he was here with Dable. He was the quarterback's coach uh, for the Bills while Dable was the offensive coordinator. And then he gets into that mode last year and of the offensive coordinator. And he mentioned, you know, learning about being multiple and matching up and things like that. And I, I think I think what the Dable has wanted, this whole Dalton Kincaid thing, this 12 personnel, 11 and a half personnel, if you want to go, you know, what Brandon Bean says and calls it, I think they, I think that Dorsey has wanted to do this for a while. I think he wanted to do it last year. He's never really fully committed and got around to it. So I'm interested in see how much he's going to do that and, you know, what new wrinkles he has this year. But it makes it a lot easier when you have Josh Allen, of course, at quarterback. But this is a big year for him. Like, Matt, honestly, like, yeah. if, if I know they were second in the league in scoring last year, mm-hmm. but if they have the same kind of year they had last year, we're talking about Ken Dorsey's future probably at the end of the year, believe it or not, because it just didn't look right the second half of the year. And there was obviously some things missing. And even Josh Allen said, Hey, we were second in the league in scoring last year and we still need to do better. Yeah. I like your point about Dorsey wanting to do things, especially with the 12 personnel. And I feel like last year there were a lot of kind of handcuffs because of injuries that happened right off the bat. And then you were trying to figure out what exactly your offense is, what exactly your identity is. I mean, keep in mind, this team brought in Jamison Crowder to try and replace Cole Beasley. He gets hurt super early in the season. They have Jake Kumaro who gets hurt super early in the season. And I know it's Jake Kumaro and people are probably rolling their eyes, but he at least was going to play a role on the offense. You had Josh Allen who ultimately gets hurt in the Jets game and was not himself for several weeks after that you probably thought you were going to get more out of your offensive line and you never did it felt like he was Josh was always running for his life but I do agree with you if there is not a very clear step forward I don't know if Ken but it's too early for that right like sure sure but it's a big year for him it is it is it's a big year for him and I think that if it doesn't work out the next offensive coordinator might already be on the staff and Joe Brady and they might be doing what they did with Ken Dorsey, because you want somebody who's fresh, who's got a young mind, who is, you know, willing to take risks. It feels like that's Joe Brady. I know it did not work out in Carolina, but I think it didn't work out in Carolina, probably because the personnel that they had, not because of Joe Brady, not being a good coach. And it seems like he's close with Josh. Josh is a loyal guy, right? Like Josh is a competitor, but he's also a loyal guy. Dorsey was his quarterback coach. There's a reason he went to bat for that guy to eventually become the offensive coordinator. But, and by the way, the other side is true too. If, if it does work out incredibly well, he could be in line for a head coaching job. And then we're still talking about this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's true though. I don't know if one solid year, like let's say the bills best case scenario, the bills go in the super bowl. They have the number one scoring offense in the league. Do you think he's already getting the calls to be a head coach? Cause I think look around this league every year. It happens every single year. Look at what happened in Philly with those guys. Yeah, but okay, you're right. You're right. The Philly, the Philly point is a good one. Both coordinators left. Look at Brandon Staley. I mean, this happens every year with these with with these coordinators. Yeah, one year though. Like if my team was hiring off of one year, but it wouldn't be one year. He he was second in. They were second in scoring this year, this past year. One year, mind you, with Josh Allen, right? Like that's the thing that's always been so impressive to me about Brian Dable and what he did with the Giants. Like he was able to. Did, didn't Ken Dorsey get a look, a, a quick look by Carolina's head coach this past offseason? He might have got an interview. Actually, yeah. I think he did get an interview. Which, whatever the NFL, yeah, but man, yeah, Matt. I mean, think about every all these coordinators get hired. They come off one great year. That's when the iron is hot. You strike. You get the guy. That's what teams yeah. look for. Yeah, it's tough though because you have these guys that get it off of one year, and then you have like the Eric B enemies of the world, and it's like, what does this guy yes. need to do to ultimately? Right. Or Leslie Frazier. You know, you can yep. check. There's a lot of examples here. The Eric Bieniemy one is really complicated because how much of it is Andy Reid's offense? How much of it is his offense? He then takes a lateral move to go to Washington. So clearly there's something up. But yeah, no, I, I don't know. The head coaching game in the NFL is a really, really complicated one. And I can't even pretend to understand all the intricacies that go into it. Well, let's hope we're talking about it from that realm instead of the other realm that we talked about a little while ago. Yeah. Um, one last thing here before we move on. Bobby Babbage. The Bills have a... Bills fans, you're a rock star assistant coach in Bobby Babbage. First, he looks like a rock star, right? Secondly, I don't think people realize. So the Bills have had, what, three all pros, four all pros last few years on defense? Well, guess what? They were all coached. They came from safety. Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde. This is obviously Tredavious White at corner as well. But then you had safeties, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. 
Who is their coach? Bobby Babich. Oh, he goes to coach linebackers. Guess who becomes a first-team All-Pro? Matt Milano, right? I mean, really great. And he spoke to the media as well. I thought it was super interesting that he mentioned Dorian Williams being a matchup linebacker and how you need matchup linebackers in this league. They talk about Matt Milano as a matchup linebacker. This tells me the Bills are really thinking about how to specifically match up on defense with all the different things that offenses are throwing at them these days, not with the traditional middle linebacker like a Tremaine Edmonds, who I know is a rangy sideline to sideline guy, but let's face it, Tremaine isn't a matchup guy. He's a guy you're going to plug in the middle of your defense and go use your skill set. They're talking about now kind of guys that can specifically match up at that position with what other teams are doing. Yeah, I don't think they're worried necessarily about size. I think that's going to probably be the thing that most Bills fans, rightfully so, are concerned about. It's like, are you really going to have two, quote, undersized linebackers kind of leading your defense with Matt Milano and whether it's Terrell Bernard or Dorian Williams or Tyrell Dotson, whatever it is? I don't think they're that concerned with it. I think that they like the way their defense is built and they think one of those guys could provide them with something that they don't ultimately have. But that being said, still have really no idea who's going to win the job. I would say the leader in the clubhouse is, I don't know. I, I, I don't even know because I would I say Tyrell, I would say Tyrell Dodson because he's been here for a while and he's gotten on the field and they seem to like what he brings. But at the same time, you've used a big time asset on Terrell Bernard. And last year, we didn't really see that much of him. So you would think that he's got more to prove. But now Dorian Williams keeps getting brought up more. And Dorian Williams, you know, these are OTAs. There's only so much we can watch. He flashes a little bit. He jumps off the fields a little bit more than some of the other guys that they have. Maybe that's just because we're looking for him. Maybe that's what it is. But I, I really do not know who's going to win that job. And Terrell Bernard, by the way, had the play of the day on defense when we were out there on Tuesday with a really nice interception against Matt Barkley. All right. It was it was a gift. Yeah, it was, it, it was a guess. I thought he made a nice athletic play, though. Was that a good yeah. throw? But he had to reach behind him. Yeah. You know, as he's moving yeah. right. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, Sean McDermott made this point, and it's right. Got to wait till the pads come on, too. Guy like Dorian Williams, I think, will always kind of flash yeah. when the pads are on. Justin Shorter, I mean, he's dude's a beast, right? You look at him like, oh my God, if I could go to the lab, that's what a wide receiver looks like. Let's wait to see when the pads come on. We've seen this over the years with guys. Let's wait to see at training camp if they start making those plays as well, you know? Yeah, for sure. And is there anybody else you want to highlight specifically from OTAs? I'll just talk about, I, I really have been impressed with Trent Sherfield for a couple weeks. Okay. I just think that he looks like he is going to be a player that can really give this offense a spark. I'm not expecting 60, 70 catches, anything like that. But last year, you know, he was used in a limited role in Miami. I think you could up that role a little bit, especially if you don't ultimately end up going to get DeAndre Hopkins. Like in my mind, Trent Sherfield is going to be their third wide receiver. Just the way that it ends up working. I, I might be in the minority there. I think yeah. some people might could think be. it's hard. Some people might think it's hardy. I just like what I've seen from Trent Sherfield up to this point offensively. And then also Kyle Allen. Yes. Once again, that was the guy I was going to bring up once again, like we're very, very, we're very early, but it feels like maybe the Bills have a guy that they can count on for a little bit. The other guy I'll mention, mentioned him last week, I think, in the pod. Taylor Rapp reminds me of a younger Micah Hyde with all the different things he can do on defense. Mm -hmm. And I think the Bills are going to use him in a lot of different ways, and we'll see what that looks like going forward. All right, we go forward for one final segment here on this edition of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch and how you can discover this new level of softness with their iconic sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% responded that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They source the rarest 100% organic cotton for an incredible softness to start. Then they skip the toxins and harsh chemicals for a natural feel unlike anything else, and it all comes together with their signature weave. This special design feels buttery, breathable, and unlocks new levels of softness with every wash, and they stand behind their promise of softness. With their 30-night guarantee, you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. If during the 30 nights, you don't love your sheets or feel them getting softer and softer, you can send them right back. No questions asked. So head to BowlinBranch.com for 15% off your first order with code ODYSSEY. That's B-O-L-L -L and Branch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Go ahead, Matt. What do you got for us uh, on this uh, on this final segment? We can kind of touch on a lot of different things. Well, I will say, if you, don't see, if you watch Channel 7, I probably will not be on TV very much for the next month and a half. For so, I'm going out on paternity leave again. Right. To take care of the little one. So this is ex- listen. I know how fortunate I am because this was not always a thing. This paternity leave, but New York State—that's where we live. They give you some flexibility here. I want to be home with the baby, and I want to be able to help my wife, and I yeah. want to be able to also just enjoy that time together before things really ramp up. I think in a perfect world, I would have probably taken the time as she's a little bit older. Now, I mean, it's all relative, right? Like it's got to be done before. You got to take the paternity leave before she turns one, before her first birthday. But once training camp starts, like there's no getting away from our jobs. That's when things get crazy. That's when it's honestly the most fun too. So I'm going to take it now up until training camp. We'll still do the podcast. I just won't be on TV as much. So that's my well, news. And you've got some news that I'm going to break to everybody. Okay. The newest member of the Cleveland Hill Hall of Fame, Sal Capaccio. Congratulations, Thank sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. And um, a brand new thing, actually. It's the first class. And I'm I'm incredibly honored. My my um my house high school alma mater means a lot to me. I think you know that. I talk oh. about it on the radio. I love to give them love, Cleveland Hill. I'm a Cleveland Hill lifer. I went there from kindergarten through 12th grade. Um it really, the, the teachers, the coaches, especially the staff really molded me as a person and who I am today. And I, lo- I learned a lot about life and, you know, my character and things like that, that I attribute to a lot of the people there. I'm getting chills, just kind of emotional talking about it because it really did. And, you know, in, in the hall of fame, it's, it's something they're starting and Cleveland Hill is a smaller school. It's located in Chictawaga. There's, um, you know, like my, my graduating class was about 125 and that was a pretty big class. There's generally about 350, 400 people in the school itself, but it's been around for, I don't know, close to a hundred years. I should know the exact number, but I don't, but um, <laughs> it's okay. You know, but, but it's the first time they're doing this. It's the, it's the inaugural class. It's myself and a woman named Colleen Prohl and um, Colleen, she graduated before me and she's gone on to do some great things in life as well. So to be inducted with her is a super special honor. So I don't know what to expect. Um, It's going to be, a week from when we're doing this going to be on Wednesday night, June 7th. Um, there's going to be a little ceremony and they're going to have a plaque. I joked, why won't, why don't we have a bust like you do for the pro football hall of fame? Yeah. They said they could have the kids in class do that. I said, no, that's okay. I don't want to look at what a bust would look like. Yeah. A um, paper a mache cool bust, <laughs> a paper <laughs> mache bust of sale. <laughs> that's right. Um, but you know, Matt, this is for, this is for all the things that I did in high school and, and, in school. And I think it's a great lesson. That's in all the things sense, right? You know, you go on and, you know, mm-hmm. being a name in the community that, you know, somebody's out there on the radio, I think obviously matters and means a lot, but you know, when I was in high school and I was in school, grade school, just like today, I was energetic. I did everything. It's a great lesson. I always tell this to kids. So if you're listening, you have a child or if you're a younger person listening to this, be versatile, be available, experience life diversity. Mm-hmm. I was in all the musicals. I was the lead and Bye-bye Birdie. I was Conrad Birdie uh, my senior year of high school. I was Pinocchio and Pinocchio in sixth grade, like things like that. But I was also in jazz band and played the drums. I was a three-sport athlete. And I say these things because um, I think it's just important to experience all of that and get 
have all those life experiences as you go through and grow up. And I, I think that's part of the reason why I was selected to be in this inaugural class. Well, I am proud of you. I know our producer, Lucas, I don't want to speak for him, but I'm sure he's proud of you as well. We are all Western New Yorkers. Lucas went to Lancaster. I went to Niagara yes. Field. You went to Cleveland Hill. So it's really, really cool to see kind of our community as a whole. I know we all went to different school districts, but Western New York kind of recognized their own. We're prideful when you're here from Buffalo. Yeah. You want you want your friends, your colleagues, those of you who, you know, you grew up with, you want to see them have these successes. You want to see them make an impact in the community. And you have certainly done that. So this is a very well-deserved award for you and a perfect way to kind of kick off the Hall of Fame. So that's really, really cool. And you also emceed an event the, yeah. the other night for, which is really cool. These guys played 117 holes of golf in a day. I was going to ask you, what's the most holes you ever played in one day? I think 45, maybe 54, maybe 54. I think I've played three 18s once. Speaking of community, speaking of, you know, giving back, Josh Allen does so much for Oshai Children's Hospital, the Patricia Allen Fund, and all the things that go along with it. Um, on Tuesday night, I was honored to be asked to be the MC for the 117 holes of golf out at Craigburn. Nuts. Matt, $323,000 raised That's in incredible. one day for Oshai and Josh Allen. How about this guy? He's at OTAs. We see him. Helmet, hot, 80 degrees, throwing it around. Then he goes to the event and plays some golf with these guys before they come off the course. And all these guys playing golf, they started at 5.15 a.m. when the sun came up. Yeah. And they were done at like 8 o'clock at night. It was unbelievable. What a great event. $323,000 raised. But to have, and Josh was there, and I think a lot of people might be familiar with Hannah and her story and Josh, and you've seen some things on social media. Hannah was yeah. there. Got a chance to get to know Hannah and her family. It was amazing. What a great story. And um, she's doing so well right now, and it's really awesome. And Josh's special connection with Hannah, his special connection with Oshai Children's Hospital. Talk about a guy who gets Buffalo. Talk about a guy who is the perfect fit for Buffalo, not only on the field, but, of course, off the field. It's Josh Allen, and this is a, a super cool event to be a part of. I'm glad I was asked by Oshai, the people there, uh, to be a part of it in the MC. You know, it was only three months ago that I had a baby at Oshai Children's Hospital, and to hear and to see firsthand all of the things that Josh does for the hospital and for that community. Listen, with great power comes great responsibility, right? And whether or not you like it, he has a lot of power and a lot of pull in this community. And I know some people might say he's just a football player and yeah, he is just a football player, but he has used his platform to really help a lot of people. So give credit where it's due, like doing what we do, you try and stay even keel, you know, you don't get too high, you don't get too low, you treat him no differently than you treat anybody else. He's a football player on the team that you cover for a living, but it is really just it I admire what he's done for that hospital because you walk in there and it can be a scary place and it can be a place where a lot of things don't go according to plan and a lot of the money that has been raised helps people in those situations. You walk around that hospital there's a cutout of Josh, a picture of Josh, a picture of the Bills all over the place. And it is also cool to hear from the nurses and the staff that work there about how often he comes in kind of on his own, like not really as a part of a big event, which it, at times can be frustrating for like somebody in media, because these are things you'd love to cover. These are things that make good stories. When Josh Allen goes to the hospital to visit somebody who is in a tough position in their life, that's a great story that should be highlighted but he doesn't always want the attention. He wants to just go do it out of the goodness of his heart. So I'm glad that event raised a ton of money. And it's also just incredible to have that hospital in our backyard because they do so many good things. Yes. So many people that are in a position where they need it. Like it, that's scary. I, I can't imagine going into the hospital and having something go wrong for my child. Like She is, 12 weeks old and I would jump in front of a bus for her. Right. You know what I mean? And, I haven't even... and the facilities that they have now too, right? What they've done over there. And Max was also born there in 2013, but he was at the old children's hospital before they moved the facility. So you was know, I, that's where I was the medical born. corridor. The old children's hospital. That's where I was born. Where were you born? Were you born at children's? So no, but I'll tell you, I do have a special connection to children's. Um, no, I was born, I think at, at, at maybe mercy, my mom, you know, um, mm -hmm. in South Buffalo, but, um, I spent literally the first four or five months of my life at children's hospital. I, I was, I was a sick baby. I had a lot of issues Yeah. and, um, and I remember being there and having to go in for a lot of checkups and a lot of things that happened. I've, 
I have some scars on my body discussion for another time, yeah. but I'm good. You know, I turned out to be healthy and great, but that's because of the people they had there. And Matt, this was in 1973. And you yeah. think about now the advancements they've made in technology. And that's why I have a special connection to children's. And that's why I love doing this for, for, for them and, and just giving back, you know, and being general to be a part of this, but you know, the, what they've done in the community. And um, we got to meet, I got to meet uh, Dr. Steven Turkovich, who's, Oh um, yeah. Good dude. Good guy. Yeah, Dr. T what a oh, great guy. And um, he was at the event as well. That was just awesome. So yeah. And the facility is amazing over there in the medical corridor as well. And maybe Josh Allen gets to the hall of fame someday, but here's the thing, Matt, he'll only have to wait five years. I did wait 32 stinking years to get in the hall of fame. All right. Just means 32. that I'm really old. 32, 32. I was thinking about that. I graduated high school 32 years ago. Well, I'm, I did not graduate high school 32 years ago. I got to do a little bit of mental math. So I graduated high school 13 years ago, wow. but it is crazy to think about like how fast the time goes just yeah. because I feel like I was just there. And all of a sudden it's 13 years ago. Oh buddy, and I have, it's going to go and faster I, now that you have a child. Well, that's the, the days are long. The years are short, right? right like yeah. that's what everybody has told me during this process, but you seriously, congratulations to you. Great to see Thank Josh you. doing the stuff in the community and we've got plenty more planned. They've got a couple, they've what one more week of OTAs and then mandatory starts. Yeah. So that's real the- quick, so everybody knows the bills will be on the practice field the rest of this week that we're talking um, Wednesday and Thursday, and then they'll be back on the field next week, the following week, Monday, Tuesday, I'm sorry, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I believe it is. And then they're off in the mandatory mini camp Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, three straight days. So we got like three, two and a half weeks basically left. And then it's time for training camp after about a five, six week time period. So yeah, it's, it's coming up, buddy. Five, six weeks of paternity leave. That's ah! the period. And then we'll be back Love to it. training camp. And uh, for anybody who's listening to this or watching this, Send us a message on anything that you want to hear, whether there's an idea you have for a podcast. I had a bunch of conversations with people actually at the PGA Championship that came up and told us that they listened. So first off, thank you to anybody who is listening. And I want to close on this. This is our one-year anniversary podcast. Now, it's it's not to the date. It's not to the exact date, but it's within a couple days of when we uploaded our first episode last year. So- Anybody who has watched, checks us out, checked us out, we very much appreciate it because the podcast, we're happy to say, has made some nice strides, some continuous growth, and we want to keep that going. So thank you for your support, and we're excited about what the future uh, has to hold. Lots of great uh, numbers on the video portion as well. Go to YouTube, Sal Sports on YouTube. Of course, you can download the audio. We want you to do that. Throw us a nice review and a rating. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey app, wherever you do that as well. Thank you very much to all of our new listeners, new viewers. And uh, for those of you who've been around for the whole year that we've been doing this, thank you very much as well, of course. For the next time, until the next time, I should say, uh, for Matt, I'm Sal. Thanks for listening to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. And a great shout-out to our producer, Lucas Buckley, doing a great job again. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.